If, you, if we've not met before, my name's Paul. I, my day job, I fit shutters like these ones. Work with Joe. Um, don't know if you know. There's, there's, don't know if you've noticed. There's quite a lot going in, the, quite a lot going on in the world at the moment. Uh, and it's been reflected a little bit tonight. We kind of touched on it this morning as well. That it feels like there's a lot of change taking place in our country and in the world right now. There's a lot of uncertainty. And I don't know about you, but it feels like there's a, almost a heaviness with that uncertainty. Uh, we don't know how things are going to be. New prime minister, new monarch. Whoa, try not, to, <laughs> try not to fall off the platform. And so I think it's important. We come hungry and we come knowing that we need God's word for wisdom. We come to the Bible in that context. So that's what we're doing tonight. I've been working my way through Genesis, the first book of the Bible. We're actually coming up to chapter 4 tonight. So a quick context for you, if you missed the other talks. So at the beginning of the Bible, God creates the universe, creates the world. He makes it good and beautiful. He then creates us. He creates mankind. He creates Adam and Eve, and they're in the garden. Everything's perfect. And then about a month ago, we looked at Genesis chapter 3, and I got into trouble for showing pictures of snakes um, and scaring people. Sorry if that upset you. Uh, and we talked about, you don't, don't talk to the snake. And Adam and Eve disobeyed God and were cast out of the garden. So that's the context as we come up to chapter 4. They've been cast out of the garden, and their relationship with God has been damaged. And what we're going to do, uh, Felicity and Joe are going to read the whole of Genesis chapter 4. It's quite, I warn you now, if this was a film, it would probably be a 15 or an 18. It's quite a heavy passage. But I think there's something powerful in the public reading of Scripture. So as Joe and Vanessa, Joe and, sorry, it's Joe and Vanessa this morning, Joe and Felicity read, just try and have your heart open and your ears open to what God might be saying through his word. So I'm going to hand over to these guys. This is the whole of Genesis chapter 4. Genesis 4. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have produced a man with the help of the Lord. And again she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel also brought of the firstborn his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, Let us go out to the field. And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. And now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. 
Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, you have driven me today away from the ground, and from your face I shall be hidden. I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. Then the Lord said to him, Not so. If anyone kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord put a mark on Cain, lest anyone who found him should attack him. Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bore Enoch. When he built a city, he called the name of the city after the name of his son, Enoch. To Enoch was born Irad, and Irad fathered Mahujael, and Mahujael fathered Methushael, and Methushael fathered Lamech. And Lamech took two wives. The name of one was Ada, and the name of the other, Zillah. Ada bore Jabal, and he was the father of those who dwell in tents and have livestock. His brother's name was Jubal. He was the father of all those who play the lyre and pipe. Zillah also bore Tubal-Cain. He was the forger of all instruments of bronze and iron. The sister of Tubal-Cain was Nama. Lamech said to his wives, Ada and Zillah, hear my voice. You wives of Lamech, listen to what I say. I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for striking me. If Cain's revenge is sevenfold, then Lamech's is seventy-sevenfold. And Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son and called his name Seth. But she said, God has appointed for me another offspring instead of Abel, for Cain killed him. To Seth also a son was born, and he called his name Enosh. At that time the people began to call upon the name of the Lord. Thank you, guys. Put that over there. So it's quite a shocking passage. It's got the first birth in the Bible, and then quite quickly afterwards, the first murder in the Bible. And the important question is, what does God want to say to us tonight through this? So I've called this talk, What Can We Learn From Cain? And the plan tonight, very simply, is just to go through the passage and show three things that God wants us to pay attention to as we go into the week ahead. But before we do that, let's just pray together. Jesus, thank you for your word, the Bible. And I pray by your Holy Spirit, would you speak to each one of us here tonight so that we know we've spoken with you and met with you. Pray in your name. Amen. Amen. So, early on, we see that Cain and Abel bring to God as an offering their work. So Cain works the ground, he's a grower of things, and Abel works with sheep. And they both bring an offering from what they do to God as a gift. But it turns out God likes Abel's offering, but doesn't like Cain's offering. And if you're like me, you might be wondering, why is it that God didn't like Cain's offering and preferred Abel's? And the passage actually gives no reason. Maybe, I was joking this morning, maybe God prefers leg of lamb to vegetables. Um, but actually, the passage is silent on what the reason is, and, it, and, it, and we can get caught up wondering, why, why is it that God preferred Abel's offering? And that's actually not helpful. The important thing in the passage here is, is Cain's reaction. It's about Cain's reaction. And Cain's reaction is this. 
So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. You can almost hear him, ah, how could this happen? I wonder for you, in the week that you've just had, has there been anything that's made you angry this week? Is there anything that's gone round and round in your head? Slightly different question. I wonder, you know when you see someone whose life just looks that bit more impressive than your own, how does that make you feel? I know I struggle with that. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? When I first read that, I thought it looks a little bit harsh, but I think what God's saying to Cain there is actually more gentle and kind than how it first seems. I think God's saying, you don't need to be so angry, Cain. You can do well. I can show you what it is that I love. There'll be other opportunities. So God's giving Cain advice. And then that advice is followed by a warning. He says this, if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. And was Cain open to listening? I, uh, like I said, I fixed shutters. I was working this week. We did a, a job over two days in a house. It was a great big house, the other side of Birmingham. And this guy had, had bought the house, and he was doing it up. And I was working upstairs, fitting some shutters in a bedroom. And uh, the owner of the house was there, and a tradesman arrived while we were working. And the tradesman came in. And what the situation was, the tradesman had come because there was, there was a staircase. And you know how you can get the, the electric meter under the staircase? Do you know what I mean? What, what the owner of the house wanted was just a simple little cupboard over the electric meter. So anyway, fair enough, I'm upstairs and I'm listening. They're both talking quite loudly. And the owner of the house is saying, well, this is my idea, you know. And the conversation went on forever. So the owner of the house would say, well, I was thinking I could have like a 500 mil door and maybe like a piano hinge down the left side. What do you think? And the tradesman would say, well, a 500 mil door might work, but have you thought about having a 600 mil door? Or have you thought about having just, instead of a piano hinge, maybe we could put two normal hinges? And what if we hinged it on the right side? And then the owner of the house would go on, well, what about a 550 mil door? And it went on like this, and I was working, and I couldn't hear anything except these two guys back and forth. The tradesmen seemed to have as much patience as the owner of the house. And I wanted to shout at them, how much thought needs to go into a small cupboard door? <laughs> um, sorry, I'm not, I'm not a very patient person. So the conversation went on and on and on. Why, why, why am I telling you this? What if Cain had had the same attitude as the owner of the house, as, as the customer I was working for? What if he'd said, I'm really angry, God, that you didn't like my offering. It was, this was my idea. I thought you'd like it. What could I do better? What do you think? What if Cain had had that kind of attitude? Maybe... Cain was in more of a hurry to get the acceptance than to actually please God. So I think the first thing we learn from Cain, the first thing we're looking at tonight is actually a question, and it's this. Am I open to advice? So I'll put it to you. Would people around you, if you're honest with yourself, would people around you feel comfortable to warn you if something wasn't right in your life? If God was giving you some advice today, how would you hear it? And then if I dig a bit deeper, 
In your heart of hearts, what's most important to you? Is what's most important to please God, or is it to feel good about yourself? So what does that look like practically? A really good example, I think, so Joe, who just read the passage, he became a Christian a few years ago. Is it about four years ago, Joe? And something that's always struck me about Joe is he always asks questions. He asks people questions all the time. What do you think about this? What does the Bible say about this? How do you think I should approach this? He's asking questions all the time. Joe reads books. He reads the Bible. He's hungry. Sometimes it's too many questions. This week, Joe was like, would you pray for me because I want God's knowledge on whether I should buy an e-bike or not? (laughs) Sometimes feels too much, but he just keeps on asking questions. And I think the result of that And it takes a humility to have that kind of questioning attitude. But the result of that is that the Joe that you see tonight, and a lot of you know Joe, is a completely different person to the person he was four years ago. I want to be like the customer I worked for. I want to be like the owner of that house. So if you think of your life as the house... I want to be the kind of person who, in every detail of my life, every little cupboard door, I'm coming to God and saying, God, this is my idea, but what do you think? In every little detail, in my relationships, in my work, in that thing I'm facing tomorrow, God, here's my idea, what do you think? Because God's like that tradesman. He's got all the time in the world. He's got all the time to answer says this in the Bible, Psalm 32, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. Now, this might seem controversial, but you don't have to read the Bible. You don't have to listen to wise people's advice to be a Christian. But what will happen is, if you don't listen regularly to, to wise people's advice, if you don't listen regularly to the Bible, your house your life will be full of cupboard doors that don't open and close properly. Do you understand what I'm saying there? And if you go on over years and months in the little things and the big things, not asking God for his advice, you'll start having more than just cupboard doors that don't open and close properly. You'll start having leaky roofs and rising damp issues. Do you understand what I'm saying with that? So... Next time you see a cupboard door, I don't know if you've got one where you live, if you, next time you see one of those doors, maybe under the stairs, ask yourself the question, am I open to listening to advice? Are there any warnings I'm ignoring? I, just, I don't want to be the kind of person who people feel uncomfortable telling me when something's wrong in my life. I know it's impossible that every area of my life is fully pleasing to God. It's just not logical that that would be true. So I want to be open to wise people and God speaking into my life. So that's the first thing we learned from Cain. It's that question, am I open to advice? Carrying on with the theme of DIY, this is a picture of our kitchen tap at home. And a few weeks ago, our kitchen tap had been dripping for days and days on end. I don't know how you feel about dripping taps, um, but it was starting to really get on my nerve. And it all came to a head. Um, I was babysitting. I lived with my older sister, and my older sister and her husband had gone out to a gig for one of their few nights in the week that they have. I think it was their only night together. They had their date night, and they'd gone out to a gig. I was looking after the kids, and my friend Ewan, some of you know Ewan Healy, was round. I don't see Ewan 
very often. And what I should have done is I should have spent time seeing how Ewan was doing and hearing about his life. But what I did instead was I looked at that dripping tap and I thought, I'm going to tackle you tonight while Deb and Sam are out. I'm going to sort this out. And so I got my tools out and I thought, oh, I can talk to Ewan while I'm doing it. I won't go into all the details. Basically, when you have a dripping tap, that's, you've got something called a cartridge inside it, and it was the cold side that was dripping. And I needed to work out how to get the cartridge out so I could find out which one I needed to replace, what size it was. And it just didn't go to plan. I couldn't work out how to get the handles off on the tap. And there was YouTube videos and wrenches and a lot of time and frustration. And I became quieter and quieter. And they ended up with me breaking, you see the two little chrome levers, it ended up with me breaking one of them off, trying to get to a grub screw. And by the end of the night, what had happened was the tap was still dripping, the handle was broken, Ewan was putting up with someone who was increasingly more and more grumpy, and then I had to go to bed for work, and Deb and Sam on their date night, I had to text them and say, don't be alarmed when you get home, the tap's still dripping and the handle's now broken, but I'll try and sort it out in the morning. So all in all, it started off with a dripping tap, and by the end, everyone was affected in some way negatively. What are you going on about, Paul? <laughs> so Cain calls his brother out to the field, and he kills him. He listens to his anger and kills his brother. And then the Lord says to Cain, where's your brother? And he says, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? I don't know anything about it. It's not my responsibility. And then the Lord says to him, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying out to me from the ground. You are responsible, Cain. You didn't control your anger. You killed him. You lied. You tried to dodge responsibility. And now your life's going to be changed forever. But also, and this made me really sad when I found this out. So you see the word ground your brother's blood is crying out to me from the ground. And then later on, God says, and now you are cursed from the ground. That does mean in the passage, the earth, the ground. It's what Cain worked with. He was a grower of things. So Cain's relationship with his work and with the earth was disrupted and broken. But it would also have probably had another connotation. Cain would have heard something else in that word that's almost deeper. So the thing is, the word there, ground, in the Hebrew that, that this was originally written in is ha-adama. I don't know if that's the right way to pronounce it. There you go, that's my punt. Um, and I wonder if you can see anything in that word already. So if we go back a chapter in Genesis, Genesis chapter 2, back two chapters, sorry. It says, Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. There's that word again, ha-adama. But interestingly, the word for the ground is actually almost identical to the word for the man, or Adam, Adam. Where am I going with this? What God's saying to Cain is, letting sin control you has affected your relationship with your work and with the earth, but it's also broken your relationship with your dad, Adam. It's broken your relationship with the people you love. There's a good chance Cain never saw Adam again after that. The voice of your brother's blood is crying out to me from Adam. Cursed are you from Adam. So the second thing we learn from Cain 
is the lesson of the dripping tap. And it's this. It's that uncontrolled sin damages everyone. If you let sin take control, it will grow into something that will damage you. And it will damage the people around you. And it might even damage people you're not even aware of. So we look at Lamech. Lamech is Cain's great, great, great grandson. And he does this weird boast. He's actually done the same thing that Cain did. He's murdered somebody. But instead of trying to hide it, he's boasting about it to his wives. And he's saying, if Cain's revenge is sevenfold, then Lamech's is 77-fold. In other words, if you mess with Cain, it's seven times as bad for you. But if you mess with me, it's 77 times worse. So evil has spiraled into something uglier and uglier, affecting people over generations. And it all started with some anger. So next time you see a dripping tap, I don't know if you've got one at home, Remember this, the sin that you allow in your life, even if you think it's only a little thing, don't let it spiral out of control. That little bit of anger, that bit of frustration, that little bit of greed, that little bit of lust, that little bit of apathy, control it, because uncontrolled sin damages everybody. So, quick summary so far. When you see a cupboard door at home, ask yourself, am I open, like a cupboard door, am I open to advice? When you see a dripping tap, remember, uncontrolled sin damages everybody. Don't let it spiral out of control. Don't let it become a horrible mess. It's all very heavy, isn't it? (laughs) It's not a very light passage. Uh, I know for me in my life, I'm not always open to advice. I've been told before that I'm a hard person to give advice to, and I find that difficult. I know I'm not always very good at controlling the sin in my life. And I know even this week that my mess has affected people I love. So what can I do? The next thing I'm going to... Just a little warning. The next thing I'm going to say is a little bit weird. Here we go. (laughs) I really enjoy toilets, I think toilets. I think toilets are brilliant. Have you ever have you ever stopped to think about how wonderful a toilet is? So one day in history, right, somebody said, you know that thing that we always have to do outside in the winter when it's cold and it's really uncomfortable? We're not gonna do that outside anymore. We're gonna do it inside. And not only that, but we're gonna do it on a nice comfortable seat. And there's gonna be a thing called a flush so that when we do the thing that we do, it's going to be taken away. And there's going to be things called sewers, so that all everybody's rubbish gets taken away together. Maybe I'm being weird, but I just think toilets are a brilliant invention. I was talking to a guy this morning who was remembering as a kid growing up in Poland, having to go out in the snow to use the outside toilet. Oh, man. (laughs) What are you talking about? Um, This might be a stretch, This might be a bit of a stretch, Um, and maybe you're going to have to allow me a bit of a creative license, but bear with me. Here we go. Abel's work and his offering pleased God. Abel was taken outside 
by someone who was jealous of him and angry with him, and he was killed. His blood got spilt on the ground. And Cain, whose offering wasn't pleasing to God, became guilty of murder. Cain was then cursed and separated from God. And the curse was specifically that he would be a wanderer on the earth. I don't think he means Wolverhampton wanderer. Wolverhampton wasn't invented yet. But then Cain cries out to God. And he says, it's too much for me. This is more than I can bear. And as a result of that, God puts some kind of protective mark on Cain. And does Cain become a wanderer? He has a wife, and together they have a son called Enoch. And Enoch's name means devoted. And Cain then builds a city and names the city after his son Enoch. Doesn't sound like the kind of thing that a wanderer does, building a city. And in that city, I don't know if you remember from the reading, people do all kinds of productive and useful and beautiful work. So what happened to the curse? There's been another man whose work and whose offering pleased God. And he was led outside and murdered by people who were jealous and angry with him. And his blood was spilled on the ground. And the people who are guilty of his death are all under a curse. And their relationship with the earth and with other people and with God is broken. And all of us have wandered in our brokenness and our separation from God. But everybody who calls out to God and says, save me, has a mark put on them. And what's the mark? It's the blood and the name of Jesus. And the curse that was meant to land on us lands somewhere else. It lands on Jesus, the man who died on the cross. And instead of being burdened with guilt and shame, we're freed up towards something. What do we get freed up for? We get freed up to work towards a city that's coming, the city of the devoted. And so we swap wandering and curses for a city that's coming where we'll do productive and beautiful work. That's our future. If you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, that's our future. It's a city that's coming. This is a bit of the description of the city right at the end of the Bible. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city and his servants will serve him. And then here's the mark. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. I've got the space for his name in big font. <laughs> and then where sin grows and grows, and Lamech says, if Cain's revenge is sevenfold, Lamech's is 77-fold. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answers, I tell you, not just seven times, but 77 times. So where wickedness, things like revenge, all the evil stuff that we do as people grows and grows in a spiral and affects more and more people, the grace 
and the forgiveness and the mercy of Jesus grows and grows more. And Jesus gives us a new way of doing things. And you might be asking, okay, Paul, what's that got to do with toilets? I'm aware, and I said this this morning, I'm aware this might be offensive to you or shocking to you, but the truth is, it is shocking. And if you are upset, I'm sorry. But Jesus, who's my God, who's the king in my life, takes on himself the filth of the whole world, from Cain all the way to you and me. He never gets tired. Whatever it is that you've done, Cain killed his own brother. Whatever it is you've done, whoever you are, whatever kind of life you've lived, however bad, Jesus, if you call out to him, will take your filth away. The good news is shocking. The very thing that was meant to separate all our wickedness, the things that separate us from God, are exactly the things that Jesus wants to take away. So if it's helpful to you, next time you flush a toilet, remember, Jesus takes away all of my mess, and he takes away the mess of all who call out to him. And in a way, you could think of it like the the grace of Jesus is like the sewage works for a city takes away the filth so we don't have to live in stinky homes, in squalor. And it frees us up to then do good and beautiful and productive work as we look to that city that's coming. So the third thing we learn from Cain's story is this, that Jesus frees us to work towards the heavenly city. And as you work towards, if you change your mindset to think of that city that's coming, Feeling inferior, feeling angry, difficult relationships, all those things become less burdensome because you can think, I'm looking towards a city that's coming. I'm working towards that. If you feel tonight like your life's not adding up to much, if you put your eyes on that city that's coming, the city will come and it will be beautiful and we get freed up to work towards something that's going to last forever and is going to be wonderful. Jesus frees us up to work towards the heavenly city, the city of the devoted. So just to summarize the three things, when you see a cupboard door, am I actually open to advice and warning? When you see a dripping tap, is there any sin in my life that's in danger of spiraling out of control and affecting the people I love? When you flush a toilet, Jesus wants to take my filth away and free me up to do good and productive work with a future. So to finish, all of us are left with a choice. And basically the choice is, what do you want? Do you want to go on being a wanderer? Wandering about, not claiming responsibility, with a broken relationship with God, a broken relationship with other people, a broken relationship with work, and with the world? Or do you want to work towards something worthwhile? Do you want to work towards the heavenly city? Will you serve Jesus, its king? Will you work at mending relationships? Will you work at bringing forgiveness instead of revenge? If it's helpful for you and you'd like to, there'll be people available to pray with you at the end of the service. Let's pray together to finish.
Father, thank you that you love each one of us and your mercy goes on forever and ever. And would you give us a gift of humility, Lord, and the energy to ask questions, to be open to advice, to be open to warning? Would you give us open ears and humble hearts? Would you warn us about any sin in our lives that's in danger of causing harm? Would you teach us to live in the freedom and in the strength that Jesus gives? And finally, Lord Jesus, thank you that you take away our burden of guilt and sin, and you make us free. And not just that, you give us good, productive, beautiful work to do as we look to the city that you're bringing. And so I pray, be with us this evening, be with us this week. Help us to be a light in our communities, in our homes. We pray all in Jesus' name. Amen.